making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show on Black Radio. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I do appreciate it. Believe me. Uh, uh, this show is a show for you. I mean, if you have something you want to uh, hawk, <laughs> I shouldn't say hawk, but if you have something you want to talk about, advertise on the show, just give me a hit me up and we'll see what we can do. This show is all about uh, m- making the world a better place. And if you have something that you think would uh, and could uh, better the world in some way, let me know, please, because that's what this show is all about, is, is uh, making the world a better place, at least trying, <laughs> trying to make it a better place. It's so hard, but it, it, I think we can do it. I, I really think we can make the world a better place. You know, we have Donald Trump, and uh, uh, one of the ways to make the world a better place is to vote. I talked about this yesterday on the show, and um, um I'll just say this today. If you don't vote, uh, your vote's going to represent the wrong party. I mean, just because you don't vote doesn't mean your vote will not be used. Your don't vote will be used to elect someone you do not want to elect. So vote, you know. All right, listen to – oh, wow. You've been listening to – I meant to say I can't speak today for some reason. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Anything goes, free talk all over the place. There's no guest today on the show. I didn't book anybody. Um, Change the world by being the best that you can be. Change your country by voting. If you do not vote, uh, your vote will not count. And if you do vote, try to vote for the right person that you want to represent how you think and how you want to see the world. Uh, If you don't vote, then don't bitch. uh, you have to do something. I mean, we have to change the world. We have to change the country because we're, we're in a downward spiral, folks. We have a guy in the White House that should not be there. Uh, this is not just me talking, okay? This is high, high levels of officials talking. I'm just reiterating what they're saying, and I have the same – I feel the same way they do, and I don't even have as much power as they have. But, I, but I'm like you. I, I – 
read, I research, I, I care about the country, I care about America, I care about this wonderful country. No, America is not great. Donald Trump has has taken it lower than low, even lower than that. So it's not great. If we don't, if we want to make this country great, we have to vote and get the right people in that's going to represent what we want them to represent, and reiterate to them that they are public servants and they work for us. A lot of the, a lot of these guys and girls in office, they forget that. They don't want to say that they work for us. And they do because if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't have the jobs that they have. But they, you know, get bought off by the NRA, gun lobbyists all over the world, taking money, you know, cashing checks uh, to vote the way that their donors want them to vote, not the way that the people put their, the, the, the voters want them to vote. The voters who gave them the great health care, the voters who gave them um, great benefits and a job. And a lot of these folks, they get elected to office. Suddenly they think they're better than the people who put them in office. They act as if they're better. You know, they look they look down on us. <laughs> I say, I put your ass in office. Why are you looking down at me? <laughs> You know, but there's going to be, a, you know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for a lot of these town halls to start up because I believe these guys on a, are on a two-week recess from Congress, maybe Easter recess or something or other to, the, to that effect. And there's going to be a lot of town halls going on, Republican town halls. And a lot of these, you know, they're going to be facing a lot of angry constituency. Uh, it's going to be angry. <laughs> It's good, good, good. Oh, well, good, good, good. Well, all right. Um, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's been fun, folks. And I, I keep harping on the uh, that uh, historic, historic march for our lives by these kids. You know, I mean, that was just great. That was just great. And it's so, it's so heartbreaking that to know that there's people out there that's trying to bring these kids down, threatening them, lying on them already. It, it's pathetic. Politicians lying on them. The the NRA, they're coming out blasting these children. And one of the reasons why I think the NRA is coming out blasting and lying on these children who were in this, who put together this uh, march for, for their lives is because as one poster said it, uh, you're messing with their money. And when you're messing with the NRA money, they, they fight back. Everybody who's a member of the NRA, every person, every man, every uh, sponsor should just drop these goons. I mean, this guy, what's his name? Wayne Larrapee or whatever it is. Uh, he looks like a, he acts like he runs, <laughs> he acts as if he's running the country. He talks as, as if he runs the country over Donald Trump, over the uh, Republicans in Congress. It's the NRA who's running the country, you know, he, you know, and, but they can be put in their place. And I think these young kids did that, but they don't want to be, you know, uh, embarrassed by these young kids. So they coming out trying to slam them, calling them liars and threatening them and all of this kind of thing. 
this this is why I say we have to vote. And I want to put it this. I want to say this too. There, they are out there, folks. They are out there. The Republicans are out there. They are out there working overtime. They are hell bent on suppressing the vote. Now, up to the uh, midterm elections, the Republicans are going to try to figure out how to keep us from voting, how to keep all of those kids who are protesting on Saturday, those millions and millions of young kids who, who uh, uh, braved that um, environment. They're going to try and stop them from voting because a lot of those kids are 18 and a lot of them are turning 18. So they will be eligible to vote. I'm hearing that uh, the Republicans may try from now to then may try to raise the age to vote to 21 to to try to suppress these kids from voting because the voting age now in the United States is 18. The Republicans are so scared and shaking in their boots they may be thinking about raising their age to 21 to vote as we lead up to the 2018 midterms elections. That can happen. Republicans will do anything, just like Donald Trump, they will do anything and everything to try to save their asses. They don't care how if it's cheating. They don't care if it's against the law. They don't care if you like it, I like it. They just know that they're in office and they can do it. And I've said this uh, uh Uh, a hell of a lot of times. There are 320 million people in the United States. 320 million people in the United States. And we got got about 250 Republicans who are ruining everything, who are trying to destroy the country. That's backwards, isn't it? 320 people? 320 million people on... (laughs) In the United States, 320 million versus 250 Republicans in Congress. Now, why do we put up with someone like Donald Trump in office? Why do we put up with rogue and criminal Republicans when there's so many of us and there's so little of them? It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. So uh, if we galvanize and got together like this bunch of kids did, Uh, not just children this time, not just teenagers, but adults of all ages. I mean, of all ages. And I mean, you know, all ages, the young, the old, all get together. Everybody gets together and run these scoundrels of uh, Congress. It's a shame that we have to wait and vote these scoundrels off. These scoundrels out. We should be able to get them out immediately. The minute they break their voters' trust, they should be gone. They should be fired. The minute they break the rules and the law of the Constitution, they should be kicked out to the curve. Why do we have to wait a year or two years to vote them out? They should be somebody's going to have to change those those kinds of laws. Because you got so many Republicans in office, they are skirting the law. They don't give a damn about the law. They're spitting in these judges' faces. They're spitting in their constituents' faces, and they're going to do what they're going to do because they don't want liberals taking over, even if they have to cheat. They don't give a care uh, what the Supreme Court might say or what they think. Republicans want what they want, and they, and they don't give a damn how you feel about it. They don't care what you think. They don't care who you are. 
They want what they want, even if it means cheating and lying and conning to get it. They'll let you know that they're cheating, lying, and conning. They don't even care. But hopefully, you know, we uh, take these things to court, sue their asses, and hopefully we'll get a judge uh, with some brains and some sense. Because a lot of these judges, you got a lot of these uh, Republican judges or these wing bat judges who are probably go with what these crazy ass Republicans want them to go with. You got to get a, a good judge and you got to get some, uh, find some good people on the jury um, that's going to see things in a sensible way, but you never know. I mean, you get a, you get, you get a jury with full of Republicans and backward, backward ass thinking jurors. I mean, we're screwed. But I do think that most Americans are sensible, level-headed, intelligent, bright, um, stand-up people. We have a few idiots, but that's a, but that's too many. All right there. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to do something. We, we're gonna have to um, change the world. We're going to have to change the world because the world is not going to change it, change itself. We're going to have to do it, and we can do it. We don't like something that's going on in Congress. Let's change Congress. We're not, we're not going to wait until the next election. We're going to do it immediately. We don't like what the president is doing. He's unfit, uh, and he's trying to destroy the c- country purposely then we get him out and we're not going to wait until the next election. We're going to do it immediately. I mean, I, I don't understand that. I, I, if, if I thought the constitution should be changed, I, I would think it would be changed in a way where we can get rid of politicians immediately, not waiting until the election, not waiting until a special election to vote them out, but get them out immediately. A lot of the Republicans, uh, in Congress are resigning, so and they're resigning immediately. We should be able to get them people out out <laughs> in a hurry, you know, because uh, obviously uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, voter tampering leading up to 2018 elections. We're going to have outside influences. We're going to have Donald Trump and his goons trying to suppress the vote, trying to keep people from voting because they know if people vote, their asses are out. And once the Republicans are out, they should never, ever get back in. And I want to say this. I don't think no matter how much Russia or some other countries might try to influence the American election, I don't think I think that even if Donald Trump and his goons try to suppress the vote, I think if enough people, enough Americans get out here to the polls, vote their asses off in droves, in bunches, in thousands, uh, their meddling and tampering to try to suppress the vote will not happen because too many people have showed up, have showed up. And I want to say once we get these Republicans out of office, they should never, ever be voted back in. Not one Republican. I mean, you got Republicans already calling Donald Trump a con man. Yeah, they're already because of his uh, about face on the uh, spending bill. Uh, uh, Democrats wanted it. 
Republicans did not want it. Donald Trump said he wasn't going to sign it, but he the next second he signed it, and that pissed off a lot of conservatives. Conservatives, and I'm hearing I haven't heard much about the bill, but I'm hearing about it. Uh, the spending bill is not that great. Actually, some things in there that are probably uh, detrimental to Americans. I mean, what else would Donald Trump do? Anything he does is detrimental to America. The man doesn't, he doesn't think, he doesn't, um, wow. And I'm reading here that lawyers explain why it might be, lawyers, lawyers explain why it might be smart not to leave, not to have Donald Trump as the client. Oh yeah, there has been so many, he's trying to hire uh, more uh, lawyers for his team to represent him in the Russia in the Russia investigation, but a lot of the lawyers have been turning him down. I mean, who wants to work for Donald Trump? And if Donald Trump called and asked me for a job, I would turn. I wouldn't want to work for him. <laughs> I mean, he with it. Would anybody want to work for an administration who that is rogue, that is thuggish, that is criminal? that is being investigated, you know, uh, a president that's, you know, and um, uh, his sexual misconduct, co- collusion, obstruction of justice, uh, not being able, able to fail. I mean, who would want to work for someone like that? You want, if you end up working for Donald Trump, you know Donald Trump is not going to follow your advice. He might be following some advice right now because Stormy Daniels got him over a barrel. So I, I'm pretty sure he's, his lawyers are telling him to shut up, don't tweet about it. Because if you think about it, we haven't heard anything from Donald Trump uh, pertaining to the Stormy Daniels interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday. And a lot of people are surprised and shocked and saying this is uncharacteristic of Donald Trump, not hitting back at somebody who's hitting him. Well, maybe this, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is the time he listened to his lawyers, you know, but... Uh, there have been lawyers who have uh, actually said they didn't want to work with Donald Trump. There's been uh, lots of people who he asked to be on his staff and trying to fill cabinet posts or other posts around uh, in his administration, and people are turning him down. And I don't blame him. I would turn them down, too, because at any moment, at any time, Donald Trump could be indicted. Uh, there's always a chance that if Donald Trump hires lawyers, he will not listen to them because Donald Trump thinks he's the smartest person in the room. He thinks he's smarter than people who have years and years and decades of experience at something. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's saying here that lawyers explain why it might be smart not to have Donald Trump as a client. That's, you know, I mean, that's. Um, what it is. It is difficult for one to maintain one's appearance of being uh, an ethical lawyer while trying to represent Donald Trump. Wow, that is something. And just the other day, uh, just the other day, I think Donald Trump, matter of fact, he did say that he has no problem hiring people and that everybody, everybody wants to work for him. Of course, Donald Trump is going to blow everything out of the, out of proportion because Donald Trump talks out of his ass. He talks out of his butt. Um, that's why a lot of the things that Donald Trump uh, talks about and says, I pay no attention to it because I think it's just a distraction. And Donald Trump loves to, to distract. But you know what? It's not. 
becoming distractions anymore. It's, it's becoming mounting. It's, let me put it this way. It's shit on top of shit on top of shit on top of shit with Donald Trump. It's not a distraction anymore. Everything he says, everything that's coming out of the White House, everything that's coming out of the Justice Department, everything that's coming out of the mouths of these women who said they had sex with, consensual sex with Donald Trump, is just a bunch of shit piling up. Russia investigation, collusion, the thousands and thousands of lies he told each and every single day. It's just mounting on Donald Trump. I bet you some people out there writing books. <laughs> they, <laughs> they can't write a book fast enough be, for so much junk shit be, spilling out of the Trump White House. And Sarah Sanders Huckabee, she has to lie and con her way through all of this stuff every day when she's at, in the briefing room in the White House and facing a horde of uh, journalists and reporters answering questions. A lot of the questions she does not answer. She pivots. Um, she'll get angry. She'll get mad. I'm hearing that she's she got really pissed off at some of the reporters because they kept on bringing up Stormy Daniels and 60 Minutes, which is their job, which is what they're supposed to do. You know, so it, <laughs> it, it it's, I mean, this is more than a movie. This is this is a blockbuster, <laughs> you know, and this is a mini series, right? Um, but this is America. But you know, I think we I think we're gonna get out of this. We are going to get out of this. We're not gonna stay in. Um, um, this is going to be a few years from now. This is going to be all in the rear mirror of America. They're gonna be in the rear mirror. I mean, we're not going to just. But we're going through something now, but I think it's going to be um, it's going to be over soon. I think it's going to be very, very Thank over. you, students, over and everyone soon. here for standing up and saying no more. Because we know it's hard, and we know they will twist our words and laugh at us and lie and, lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. How do they sleep at night? You are killing
those images of Team Trump, only the president and vice president are still standing. And the last departure, Rob Porter raises pointed questions about why the White House would hire and then defend a man accused of domestic violence. Joe, we'll get to all the details behind that disturbing story. But overall, it just seems like the Trump administration, the White House, has a hiring problem, to say the least. Yeah, well, you know, they really do have a hiring problem. It's expanded out now. We now have a John Kelly problem. Uh, a lot of stories just seem to have been breaking uh, that show General Kelly in a terrible light, whether it's calling Secretary, you were in that meeting in the Oval Office. Did the president say that? I don't recall him saying that exact phrase. I can understand you either saying they were said or they were not said. It is pretty shocking language. And to say I don't recall seems implausible. If the president of the United States used the word blank hole, mm. talking about countries in the Oval Office, or didn't say it, I would know. I, I understand the question. It was an impassioned conversation. I don't recall that specific phrase being used. That's all I can say about that. So <laughs> that's, that's a Secretary of Homeland Security with either a faulty memory, a lack of attention during an important meeting, uh, or allegiance to the presence over the, over the truth, or actually clinging desperately to um, illegalism. Uh, that somehow uh, house and whole at the end of that vulgar word uh, would make any difference whatsoever. Listen, listen to the nuanced language, and it's very clear that... My name is Jacqueline Corrin, and I am proud to say that Parkland is my home. Parkland is the heart of this movement. But just as a heart needs blood to pump, my hometown needs the alliance of other communities to properly spread this message. We openly recognize that we are privileged individuals that, and would not have received as much attention if we weren't for the affluence of our city. Because of that, however, we share the stage today and forever with those who have always stared down the barrel of a gun. This issue is undoubtedly an epidemic that affects communities of all classes, an epidemic that the Center for Disease Control does not have the funds to research. This disease continues to spread, even though we have discovered the cure. But our government, our government officials close their ears because it involves change, a change that does not align with their own agenda. That is why Parkland cannot and will not do this alone. There is strength in numbers, and we need each and every one of you to keep screaming at your own congressmen. Don't be scared just because they have senator in front of their name. Visit or organize a town 
Hall. They'll be home for the next two weeks for congressional recess. because we all know they'll show up then. We cannot keep America great if we cannot keep America safe. Outweigh the hate. As the universe is on the side of justice. So I need each and every one of you, no matter your age, to continue to fight alongside us because hearts cannot pump without blood, and I don't want your community to join the ghastly inner circle that mine is now a part of. In the end, we are all fighting for our lives. But we are a great generation, and we'll be the ones to make America safe. Thank you. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. and Democrats get ready to do battle in the midterms, a lot of people think it will all come down to the referendum on President Trump. But there is a secret weapon in this battle, one that could undermine the will of the people. And I want everyone to pay attention to this. I think this is what the most important segment that we'll do tonight, this and DACA. Gerrymandering has been used by both sides, but it is a serious threat to democracy. Let's discuss it now. Samuel Wong is here of the Princeton Gerrymandering Project, also the co-host of Politics and Polls podcast, and also the Reverend Dr. Uh, William Barber uh, is here as showing that the United States has lost its global standing amongst other countries uh, to levels even lower than they were during the George W. Bush administration. Now, since that one poll came out, several other global polls have been released confirming that, yes, 
Around the globe, the United States image has fallen to about 30% approval rating and trust rating amongst uh, about 134 other countries around the globe. And there is a reason why people no longer trust us or respect us or look to us as leaders. And that reason, according to these polls, is because of Donald Trump. The reason America's image abroad has fallen is because of Donald Trump. His words, his words against uh, other foreign leaders, mayors in in places like London, and uh, uh, his actions across the globe, his murdering of civilians uh, with, with attacks overseas. That's why people don't like us. And this particular uh, uh, story that came out on the Washington Post talking about all these polls actually hits on a very good point. During the George W. Bush administration, when the global image of the United States began to fall, it sparked violence against Americans overseas, especially in areas that we had invaded and started unwinnable wars. The hatred against the United States is what sparked the resurgence of Al-Qaeda that later on evolved and became Islamic State that we're currently fighting God knows where throughout the world. As long as Donald Trump is in office and as long as people across the globe continue to start hating the United States, it's only going to further violence against American citizens and American troops all over the planet. That's what this does. We've seen it in the past. We saw it during the Bush years and we're beginning to see it now. That is why this is important. Donald Trump and his America first policies may look good on paper. Hell, it's a great campaign talking point to idiotic supporters who don't know any better. But in the real world, where there's not just one country, where you have to be a global partner with everyone else to get things done, America first doesn't work. It is a very selfish and greedy and insular way of thinking, but that is what Donald Trump and his Republican supporters are. They don't give a damn about anybody else. They don't give a damn about the future. They just care about the right here, right now, what can I get out of this? And that's not any way to run a country, and we're seeing it now. We need our allies. We need them for trade, for support if we have to go into a war. We need them in case we need help financially. But Donald Trump is destroying that and it's getting worse every single month. And the worst part is his idiotic supporters don't seem to be able to understand that the United States cannot go it alone in this world. We need the support of everyone else. We need people to look up to us. And because of Donald Trump, they no longer do. If you're thinking about subscribing to our channel, I strongly encourage you to do that. But if you're You know about fentanyl, right? You know about opioids, you know that they're bad. You probably don't know how bad. In the country, in 2016, we had just over 63,000 overdose deaths. Two-thirds of them were because of opioids that were laced with fentanyl. It is a scourge, the likes of which people who are in the uh, addiction community, in the police community, they say they haven't seen anything like this ever. Not meth, not crack, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But that's a separate part of the conversation. The main question is, what are we going to do about it? This White House says they are aware and they're taking charge. Kellyanne Conway is not just a senior advisor to the president. She has been tasked 
with overseeing this. We know that there was an allocation in the budget about it now. We know that in, in this spending measure, we know that there was an allocation in the long-term budget. What is enough? What is going to be done? A worthy discussion. Kellyanne, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Christopher, and for really shining a light on what truly is the crisis next door. The president in New Hampshire on Monday mm. rolled out his policy plan. He is attacking the opioid crisis and the drug demand crisis overall on three major fronts, prevention and education, treatment and recovery, and law enforcement and interdiction. The president is tackling all of those simultaneously, not sequentially, because we have to really fight this battle on three fronts. And the president himself has said that he wants a massive public-facing ad campaign where we are deploying facts and figures and messages to people, sometimes shocking the conscience and sometimes warming the heart with those stories of recovery and, and treatment access. As you've noted, the president's, uh, the, the Congress really met the president's request to have significant funding, new funding, for the opioid and drug demand crisis. A $3 billion this fiscal year, $3 billion next fiscal year, a total of over $13 billion is the package that Secretary Azar has been mentioning. And uh, with those funds, we plan to beef up the interdiction, disrupt the supply of illicit drugs coming into our country. 90% or so of our heroin comes through our southern border. And uh, about 8 or 9 and 10 of new heroin users say that they started through prescription drugs. As you say, opioids is very tricky. It starts in your family medicine cabinet often, too often enough, and that little bottle bears a label that says the family doctor and the local pharmacy. But treatment's important, and this president is calling for lifting a 40-year ban on, on mental health facilities uh, because now they're being used to treat people with addiction. And if you fill that 17th bed, you don't get Medicaid reimbursement. We have a long list of people waiting for treatment and empty beds. He doesn't want that to persist any longer. But the strides his administration have made are many. Uh, he's calling for a one-third reduction in prescribing. We are about 5% of the world's population, and we consume about 80% of its mm. opioids. So it, it needs to stop. And we want to make sure that all Americans are read into this. People can go online today, Christopher, and go to Crisis Next Store crisisnextdoor.gov and literally share their stories. Yesterday we showed a story from Mitchell in Missouri. He shared his story since the president mentioned this website on Monday and it's a, it's a very compelling story of a young man who is fighting back from his addiction but he's talking about how he got started, what the gateways were, how mm -hmm. to spot those signs and, and what we can all do for each other. So thank you for helping us bring attention to it. If people don't know what fentanyl is, Really educate yourselves. We're suffering from information underload. This is a synthetic opioid being manufactured outside of this country, mm -hmm. being brought through our mails, through our border, southern border, which is part of why the president wants the wall. It's sitting in our sanctuary cities, and it is, uh, it's literally killing us. Fentanyl is 50 times the potency of heroin and 100 times right. the potency of morphine. Well, look, first of all, uh, good on you. Uh, for taking the responsibility to head this up for the White House. This matters. It's an important thing. It's good to see the action being taken. Now, the debate to have uh, and the testing to do here is how much and where, you know, uh, because you know, especially China being highlighted with the tariffs right now uh, about intellectual property theft through. True. They also make a ton of fentanyl that gets brought into this country, sometimes the right way, sometimes the wrong way. That's something that should be approached. But really, uh, the pushback is going to be this. Has. Yeah, but I mean, that, that could be done in a much more fulsome way. You want to be aggressive about something, that's something where you'd get probably all the American people behind you uh, because this is killing us literally. So you're putting money into it, that's good. 
I know you heard this on the ground in New Hampshire because, as you know, we did a documentary up there. We highlighted their fight against this drug. They in West Virginia are being overwhelmed in a way a lot of other places aren't, and they are laboratories for the problem. We need to put a lot more money than you're putting in here right now. It's not even close. Uh, the death ratio is so much more than HIV and AIDS, yet the funding ratio in terms of addressing the problem is nowhere near close. You have only about 10% of the addicted population that has access and ability to fund treatment. If we did that with cancer or heart disease, uh, we would have a plague on our hands of death. We have to do more and more money has to get to the local communities. How do you do that? Well, Christopher, we agree that more money has to get to the local communities. Uh, we are this is a federal, state, and local, and community effort. This is the White House. He is the president. He is an engaging, captivating, edifying speaker at that podium, including at New, in New Hampshire on Monday. So I think that with the president and the first lady bringing attention to this issue, it's going to go a long way to just the basics of educating people and honestly putting the fear into some of our youth from not buying that street drug for $10, from not getting, getting hooked in the first place, and yet recognizing so many people in this country already suffering from the dis, this disorder with these drugs and helping them. Now, I want to say something about the money. That is Congress's job to appropriate the money. This president declared a public health emergency. Congress has met the president's request, which was a historic request for new funding for opioids. No president, no administration has anything had anything close to this, ever had anything close to this. And we know it does take money. And it also takes lifting or changing these crazy rules that really prevent people from accessing and remaining in treatment. We also, in our opioids cabinet, We've involved the departments and agencies and the cabinet secretaries that you would expect, DHS, mm -hmm. DOJ, VA, HHS. But we also have involved USDA. So they've put out guidance Good. for rural American, uh, America on opioids. We've also involved Department of Labor and HUD. Why? Good. Because we recognize that when people, if they're lucky enough to be in the drug course, they're lucky enough mm -hmm. to get into treatment, and they're lucky enough to come out, it's still a small percentage. Of, of complete recovery. If they're fortunate enough, they come out, and the only thing familiar to them are the drugs. That's right. There's, but this is a president who's also committed, very passionately Good. and with dollars, to skills education, to workforce development, to connecting people with, with their corporal needs. With, we're talking right. to HUD and, and my, my colleague over there in terms of housing opportunities. So you've got to, you've got to tackle this holistically. There's a whole continuum of care that's smart yes, talk. Yes, and we're not going to tackle it overnight. The, the numbers could get worse not. before they get better. They're, they're getting worse every day. Uh, it has, it's something that has to be addressed. It hits in a lot of different ways. People become addicted for a lot of different reasons. But, but on, on China and fentanyl, I wanted to just say this because it's yeah. incredibly important. And, and most, most outlets are not covering fentanyl today, so thank you. 20,000 deaths last year alone. So with fentanyl, the De Department of Justice announced the first two indictments of Chinese nationals right. who were in fentanyl tra traffickers. They have also filed a statement of interest with the civil litigation that the states have put forward. I went to the press conference with Attorney General Sessions and the and Democratic and Republican state attorneys generals who are part of the. Right. The president has directed them to, to take a look at the litigation. And also, you see so many of these, com you see so many of these companies now, and so many of these states really, and the pharmaceutical companies saying, you know what, we support the first prescription being seven days, not 30. And let me make clear to your viewers, this is not, we're talking about opioids. We're not talking about chronic pain sufferers. That's right. Palliative who, who care and drugs. pain management That's is correct. still real. Those a lot of people need, need it. it. Not everybody who it. takes pain management medicine is an addict. Yes. Uh, we understand that. There's a lot of stigma that goes on with this. This is what I was saying. I'm saying there's a place for tough talk. Uh, and if you want to go after the threat 
go after the makers of these drugs. Uh, I think the tough talk about, hey, make a better choice with kids, that uh, is a little bit misleading about how addiction happens. And the tough talk about, well, let's kill the, the drug kingpins, I know that that appeals to the base and harshness is often perceived as strength. But you are not going to no, punish your way out of this problem. Um, yeah, well, you, you know that, right? I, you talk to experts, they'll that. say the death penalty is barely a deterrent on any level, let alone when it comes to addiction. And it's not about killing the drug kingpins. Nobody's going to defend be... the drug kingpins, but you're not going to punish your way out of the problem, no matter how good that sounds. Well, That's you why may, I raised you may the think point. nobody's defending the drug kingpins. Some are, but very few have been punishing them. We have got a kingpin statute on the books for decades. And the, the, the yeah, Supreme General Court just... doesn't like it, though. It, it, it has a hard time with, uh, eighth, days with ago, Eighth Amendment muster. The, uh, but the Attorney General two days ago put out guidance to all U.S. Attorney's offices. Again, you can pull it up, you can put it right. on the screen if you like, or your viewers can watch it. What the President is saying is, and he's absolutely right, that we don't have tough sentences because a lot of those minimum sentences go by the weight of the drug. And right. so with fentanyl, literally you need about two milligrams right. You for can one change the dose. sentencing. I'm just saying the call was to kill them. And not only are you going to have a Supreme he Court problem there. He said many things. He said tougher sentences. But and he, he said, said kill drug dealers. That's what he's, no, no, no. He did not say kill drug dealers. He said in very specific cases. The he Department said of kill Justice, drug kingpins. Christopher, there's a two-page. But hold on. There is a two. Well, good. There's a two-page. No, I don't think now, that gets you out of the, the problem. And you say the base likes it. He didn't say he could see out of the problem. He's actually tackling it on these three major fronts, and you know True. it. And that we have matters. a first lady who's taken this issue on. She's incredibly popular, and she's given such voice and visibility to neonatal Good abstinence syndrome. We have 25 babies being born addicted Good thing every to do. day it's in this country. It's a huge country. scourge. It's all over the if place. If anybody wants to, to volunteer their time, go for it in your communities. Let, it's a great cause. Let me ask you something. Uh, there's a lot of good work that needs to be done. There are a lot of big problems. There are distractions. And it's a nonpartisan issue, Christopher. This legislation there's, there's should no be question. passing uh, listen, unanimously. I wish I did not know as much about this problem as That's I right. do. I wish I had lived it the way the front lines. I have. We appreciate I get it. it. I get it. I get how real it is. It's good what you're doing. More has to be done, and the effort has to be very focused, and we have to talk the right talk. That's why I'm checking you on those points. Let me ask you something else, though. All of this work that needs to be done there is compromised. Uh, by the drama that's going on in that place, whether it's the turnover uh, and now these stories with these women that are coming out that are not, uh, you know me, I'm not about getting into people's private affairs. That's not what I'm into. It's not a matter of public concern in my estimation. However, oh. the way they're being handled are creating potential legal situations for a sitting president of the United States. How much of a distraction, how difficult is it to get the job done there with these looming legal questions surrounding these women and, of course, the political intrigue of all the shakeups you have there. The, the answer you see every single day. This is a very active president. Look at everything that happened just this week. He's hardly retreating into a cocoon. He's the most active president, as I like to say, is a well, man of action. He's spending a lot of time about talk. this. That's the fight with no, Joe Biden. No. That's the tweets about this stuff. No, no, no. Sorry. He doesn't spend much time on that. Joe Biden, like that woman who lost the election, whose name I don't say on your network anymore, they seem pretty upset. Took you longer than I thought it would, by the way. Yeah, I, you, I think uh, I owe no, someone lunch. No, no, no. Why do they keep mentioning him and his voters and the election? It's kind he of He could weird run for president point. of the United States, and the president brought him up. The president it's went kind after of Joe odd. Biden. Well, well, excuse me. No, no, no. Vice President Biden went after him and, and talked about Only one violence. is president, Kellyanne. Hold Only on. One is excuse president. me. But one was vice president for eight years. True. And, and, and let's not talk about all the things that didn't get done. You and I just spent 10 minutes talking about a biggie. That, that man was vice president for eight years. I respect his public service. I, I honor his public service. However, 
if people in that kind of position, a former vice president, a former secretary of state, and twice failed presidential candidate, but also first lady of the country, they have considerable platforms. Why aren't they using them for more good? Where is her, where is her center for women and girls? Why isn't he talking no, 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 about, but, why, but doesn't, why doesn't he call me today and help take, on the drug but, crisis? But don't take us down the road. I don't care no. what she's doing. She is not in charge of keeping my kids cover safe. The you guys are. Elections. No, no, no. You're no, no. in power. Here's what you we're control both on. houses of Congress so and the White House. It's and all that's on why you, the my friend. Got through. That's why we now have funding for the wall, for the military, for school safety, for opioids, for so many of the president's priorities, Christopher. This town was mocking the wall two years ago, and now they're funding it. That's Donald Trump. That's Washington. He is the most, I don't know no, how the no, wall but, makes but, any more sense now than it did two years ago. Look at what he did just this week. Just this week, he rolled out, rolled out a two-page, everybody should read it, very specific, very significant drug policy. Then yesterday, he took action against China because the USTR released a report that said that we are losing innovation in the future and that there has been intellectual property right. theft. And so he's taken action on that instead of just talking about it. Whether Look or not it's the right the action, though, winds up becoming a basis for the scrutiny. Cuts. Of course I want to talk about the tax cuts. Of course I want to talk about them. 4.5 million Americans have benefited directly from bonuses, from raises. That doesn't even scratch the surface of all the capital investment that they have committed to their communities here. So we're, we're going of, to see a lot, the fruits a lot of, companies of that like the for a fact, long time. A lot of companies like the fact that you gave them more money. What they do with that money... We will see. You've seen what they you've seen what they've done with that money. People's paychecks We've are We've seen fatter. what some have done with some Many, of the money. Over four hundred companies. That people are getting more money in their million. paychecks, but we also know that it's very unequally distributed, and that the well, top does a lot better than the middle class, crumbs. who were promised that this cut would be about them. Some may call it crumbs. Other people look at it as real bread the word and real crumbs. money. And money matters people to people. They just could have gotten more of it if the policy was directed toward them. But let's not get too far off point. I brought you on here because this initiative matters. Taxes are not too far off point, but go ahead. But it I'm does just saying matter. The it does matter. And it's great that Congress has met the call with funding. And let me just give a but shout out to, to something. Go ahead. In Let's January, the president was flanked by Republicans and Democrats from the House and the Senate in the Oval Office, steps away from here, signing into law something called the Interdict Act. Interdict was an acronym, is an acronym. That provided $9 million in additional funding for the Customs and Border Patrol for fentanyl handling analysis. Why right. is this important? It passed the House by about 412 to 3, passed the Senate almost unanimously we can do this together I hope the people who are constantly trying to throw logs in the path of this president in a town that is very used to statism and not used to disruption and progress I hope that they will come together in that kind of bipartisan fashion in the future there's a bunch of legislation that's working its way through Congress you pass that you're doing right by the people in your communities you're you doing guys right. are in power the president should talk yeah. to his own and he, party why, and find a way to get things done that's why the economy is humming ISIS is on the run and almost all all but gone. That's why our, we're more secure, we're more prosperous, and we're more accountable. But I can tell you, somebody who works here every single day, has been here since day one, that this You're president one of the few, is, my friend. Well, You're one, I, of the, yes. one of the few. You are a veritable unicorn in but that allow, White House but right allow now. Me to be, allow me to be an illustration as to why there's such a great benefit in serving, because because we can all be dozens of other places for lots more money. We're here because we love the country and we believe in the agenda that prevailed, not the one that failed at the all ballot right. box. And we are trying every single day the best we can, beginning with the president and the vice president, who actually were elected to something, to put that agenda forth. He's keeping his promises. And people should not be surprised, Christopher, when he keeps those promises, when, when he puts tariffs, but he shows an 
openness. He has carve-outs. He listens to the Congress. He listens to other experts. When he goes ahead and he has the most massive tax cut that your that your network said to oh, the American people many times falsely, about. it can't Kelly, pass. It won't pass. And if it does, it only benefits the wealthy and well-connected. The Americans who are getting $1,000 bonuses, the wealthy they don't the feel wealthy or well-connected. They're wealthier. Their paychecks are fatter. But look at the stock market. Look at the confidence numbers. Uh, look at the great achievements that's happened on behalf of people. The regulatory reform. Every decision should be looked at in terms of its conceptual base and then its impact. We'll look at that. We'll see what happens with the tariffs. They don't mm. like it on Wall Street right now when it comes to China, but we'll see how it goes. I got to let you go. I got to start the top thank of the next you, hour. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, thank both of you. Thank both of you. A boy's born in hot down Mississippi, surrounded by four so pretty his parents give him love and affection to keep him strong moving in the right direction living just enough just enough for the city
The jury of your peers having found you guilty. Ten years. What? Come on! Come on! Get in that cell, nigga! Blue states sue Trump over census citizenship question. All right, uh, it's a, this is Trump trying to uh, disenfranchise voters once again, folks. Blue states sue. That's great. Blue states sue Trump over census citizenship. Uh, as I've stated earlier in, into the show, the Republicans are hell bent. And they're working overtime to try to suppress the vote because they know that, that they will not have a job. Trump know he will be in if the Democrats get both houses of Congress, if he is still in office by then. <laughs> but anyway, the blue, sto- blue states, sorry, uh, sued Donald Trump over census citizenship, over question. Um, who isn't suing Donald Trump? Donald Trump, I mean, People say, well, we knew what it was like before we voted him in. I didn't vote for him, okay? There are so many people saying, uh, well, you knew what Trump was like. Yeah, I did. That's why I didn't vote for him, and that's why uh, two, million, two and a half million people didn't vote Hillary Clinton. So that's no excuse. Yeah, we know what he's like. That's why we didn't vote for him. Now he's who he is. And they're saying, well, why are you uh, complaining about Trump when you knew what he was like in the first place? I'm not complaining because I didn't vote for him. I I, I would have never voted for Trump. 
You could have cut my right arm off and I still wouldn't have voted for Trump. But this guy, he has so many lawsuits up his ass. I don't know how he has so many lawsuits. Stormy Daniels is coming with one. Now, some other people have uh, uh, lawsuits on Donald Trump. His fake university that jilted many students out of their hard-earned money to get a degree. I mean, you got people who are waiting in line still not paid by Donald Trump. Donald Trump, his businesses went up in smoke, most of them. And now America is going up in smoke because of him. It's a a shame. Okay, it says blue states sued Donald Trump on, on citizenship question, which is great. Stand up to Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump and his war against the American people is about to hit him in his ass. Okay, Democratic attorneys general in several states, okay, in several states said Tuesday that they would bring legal action to stop the Trump administration from adding a question on the citizenship to the next U.S. Census. Okay, uh, the next U.S. Census is 2020. Yeah, every 10 years. Okay. I remember I worked for the census a few years ago, a couple of years ago, decades ago. Uh, it was nice. It was great money, you know, so at that time. Um, so Donald Trump wants to add another question to the, to the uh, census uh, uh, application. Uh, a census is like uh, counting all Americans, counting every American, all Americans in the United States. I don't know how accurate it is, but it, it works, I guess. Um, but anyway, he wants to add, things are popping up here. Um, the administration said late Tuesday it would include a question on the survey that would ask whether responders are African, are American citizens. Oh, oh, okay. This is totally, totally, uh, racist. Uh, if you are American citizens. So that way they're trying to disenfranchise you to keep you going, keep you from going to the polls. That's all it is. It's trying to keep you from going to the polls. The question has not appeared on the census questionnaire since uh, 1950. The civil rights groups and the Democrats in the blue states said the question combined with the Trump administration hostile attitude towards immigrants could lead to uh, undocumented immigrants avoiding the census altogether, creating uh, an underestimation of the number of residents who live in certain states and in certain areas. The undercut could put at risk billions of dollars in federal aid in programs ranging from health care to education to even law enforcement funding for some states. Figures from the census are used to allocate uh, federal money through, uh, through programs across the, the uh, government. And Trump and his goons are trying to circumvent that. Trump was never, ever about making America great again. He was about destroying America in the name of Russia. He conned and lied and bullshitted his way into the White House. We all know that. If we don't know that, then we're living under a rock somewhere. 
but uh, uh, the guy lied and conned and tricked and bullshitted and buffooned and goofed his way all the way into the White House. And uh, uh, I just, I've said this before, before to people, I've said this, I just don't think Donald Trump can hang on much longer. With all this shit uh, swirling around him, it's a wonder he hasn't had a stroke and died. This is all of this shit that, but some people say that he's a narcissist, a narcissist, he's a fascist, he's a neocon, so they don't have any feelings because he has no empathy, he has no sympathy for no one. It's all about Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump even gets off when it's a lot of negative activity, uh, neg- uh, negative things that are being said, said about him. He doesn't care as long as his name is mentioned because it's all about him. He wants to wallow in the glow of knowing that his name is mentioned because he thinks he's the smartest person in the room and he's not. Um, Yeah. So um, blue states sued Trump over citizen question, citizenship question. And I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. Uh, I don't know how Trump deals with all these lawsuits up his ass, but uh, I, 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 Presume, presume that most of the lawsuits that were coming at him um, in the not-so-distant past, he paid off. He paid these women off to be quiet. He paid a lot of people off to to be quiet. He gave them dis- disclosure contracts, you know, that they can't say anything. If they say anything about uh, him, that they would be sued. So, you know, a lot of these people have these shut up, don't say anything contracts from Donald Trump, you know, and um, obviously Stormy Daniels, she's putting up with any of it, and I don't blame her. Tell it all. Uh, (laughs) I mean, even if you tell it all on Donald Trump, you tell everything, it still might not be enough to get his ass up out of the White House, because he seemed to be able to dance out of a lot of this crap. But I don't think he's going to dance out of Mueller's investigation uh, because he's not saying anything further on trying to fire uh, Robert Mueller. It could be coming, but uh, the Republicans and the Democrats made it clear to Donald Trump if he tries to follow, follow, if he tries to fire, sorry, if he tries to fire Robert Mueller in, in the investigation, he will be impeached. And, and since then, Donald Trump has been quiet on uh, Robert Mueller. Uh, uh, and we all know something something is there because Trump is from day one, Trump has been acting like a guilty man. He has been acting as if he is deserved of the electric chair. <laughs> he he's been acting like he that he's done it. You know, and he's trying to get out of it. And he's doing it very stupidly. And but like I said before, I I think this is this is going to be something when someone writes an actual book from start to finish on Donald Trump, it's going to be a mess. I'm doing a book on Donald Trump. I'm doing a book on the on the administration. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there that's going to be writing about this. And uh, tr- Trump, the Trump administration is giving us so much to write. I mean. We, us writers, we can't keep up with this stuff. 
you know, it's coming out so fast, every day so fast. <laughs> uh, and that's that's the way it is with me. I'm 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 writing this. I think I got about um, ten thousand words so far on this. Ten ten thousand between uh, ten. Okay, let me recap that. Between ten thousand and fifteen thousand words, I've already completed on my my book about the Trump administration, and this will be the first. Um, nonfiction book that I've written since I've written my memoir. Uh, so this will be the first non. I usually do fiction, a lot of fiction, but this will be the second or third uh, uh, nonfiction that I have written, will write. Uh, my first one, I believe, was my memoir. It was called, it is It is called, because you can find it on, on Amazon, it's called uh, um, Echoes of My Sins, and it's pretty good. I've uh, I've uh, updated it and all that kind of stuff. So it's up there, Echoes of My Sins. That, that's my uh, autobiography, memoir of my life, you know, and um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, but now I'm doing another, I'm doing another um, book about the Trump administration. Uh, it, it's going to be one of zillion of zillions of books that is, that will be published about this after Trump is gone, or if he shall linger around in, in the White House and be impeached, or walking out in handcuffs, uh, indicted. So, so much is coming out, of, and this time it'll be a full novel. It will, it will not be a novelette or a short story. It will be a full-fledged novel about Donald Trump and, and his mess, and <laughs> all of this garbage that's coming out of, out of the White House. Um, it, it, most of the stuff that I think I'm putting into the book is pr you probably if you're following Donald Trump and 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 the seeds that he's leaving, uh, you're you're probably say, well, George, your book is saying nothing. We know all of that. That's been in the news. This has been in the news. That's been in the news. You'll be right. You're right. Well, George, we know all of that. Yeah, but see, but you have a keepsake. It'll be like a keepsake if you want to keep. And basically, it'll be for, um, uh, it'll be history for the youth that are coming up. People who who actually didn't live through the Donald Trump administration and don't know a lot of things that's in the book that I'm about to put in the book. It'll be for them. Maybe they can use the book as a history lesson in high school or college, I mean, even grammar school. So it'll be, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of stuff in there that you probably, if you should uh, pick it up or read it once it's published, uh, a lot of things in there that uh, you already know about that, you, that you've heard about, but there will be some things in there that uh, uh, that would be new to you. And, and just about on everything, I give my own opinion on what, on what's, on this or that that I write or that I may get from the media or something. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm got about 15, 10 to 15,000 words. That equals maybe to about 30 pages, maybe. <laughs> so we have a long, long way to go. It probably will not be released until 2019 um, uh, because there's so much dripping out of running. I shouldn't say dripping, running out of the Trump administration that it's, 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 you got to hurry up and get it down and wait for the next, for the next shit to come out of the Trump administration and write about it. 
But um, it's interesting. I like it. Um, I, I don't think it's the best thing I've ever done, but it's something that I know in my heart I had to do. Uh, for a while, I, tr- I tried to shy away from writing nonfiction because uh, writing fiction had been a lot more fun because I could make up anything I wanted to make up. I could be anybody I wanted to be. I can have this character do that, that character do this. Uh, you know. But now when you're doing nonfiction, um, there's no characters. If there are characters in a nonfiction book they're they're real to light characters you know so but i i still think what i love doing is fiction i love writing fiction because it, it just i can just make up stuff all over the place you know <laughs> i uh one reader she read a story that i wrote it was called under the moonlight and she read it it's a novelette she read it and then her response was george is that actually you? Is this a true story? <laughs> I said, no, it's fake. I know it. it's not fake. I said, no, it's just nonfiction. I made it up. It, but it doesn't sound like you made it up. It sounds like it's nonfiction. It sounds like it's true. And to me, when she said that, that it didn't sound like I made it up, that it sounded like it was factual, that was a compliment. That let me know that I can really get in depth when writing fiction that people will believe that it's true. But there's no doubt writing fiction, uh, some of yourself, some of the author's self, if you're an author, you know some of yourself is going to be incorporated in that book and maybe in one of the characters or maybe all of them. Uh, I don't think there's no writer who can write fiction without incorporating something that they've experienced or they've seen. And a lot of uh, times that's what I do. Like Under the Moonlight is basically, uh, the premise of it is true because there was a time when I would get off work, I'd be tired, I'd be beat, and before I would go into the house, I would walk over to the park by the lake, and there would be sitting this beautiful, beautiful young lady. But that was it, and I just wrote around it. I just imagined things that would happen around that setting. I I saw her, but I never talked to her. I never approached her. I just marveled from afar. And I took that little bit of that story. And uh, everything else is, is, is fiction. The majority of it, 90% of the story is fiction. Angel by the Lake was real. But everything was fiction. We never got together. I never got to know her. We'd never gone anywhere. We didn't go out. We didn't kiss and hug and all that stuff. That's made up by me in the book. You know, uh, I still see her today, but she, she, she's old. She's a little older than she was when I first met her. I guess we all are. But anyway, it was, it was fun writing that, that, that uh, Under the Moonlight. Everybody who downloaded a copy, it's Kindle, who downloaded a copy. And, and I have a review on it, and uh, it's okay. It's not the best, but it's okay. I mean, any writer... Time you're a writer and you publish something, you want to get the best read you can, you know, out of it. I think it's a five star uh, story, but I but someone gave me a four star. I'll deal with that. But um, it's a great story. It's a wonderful story. It's one. Of, it's another story that I'm proud of. I'm very proud of it. 
uh, it's not as short as I uh, as some people try to say it is. And uh, she could have gave me four stars because it was short. It ended, but it was a it's a great story, but it's fiction. I wanted to tell that that poster. I knew her name, but I I know her name. I'm, I'm not going to say her name, but but uh, uh, it, it's a great story. It's a beautiful story. It's a love story, you know. And the the part about me being married and having children in this story, uh, that's not true. So I made it. I made it all up, you know. And um, but it's a great story. If you can, you can pick it up. It's a, it's uh, on Amazon called Under the Under the Moonlight. Actually, the title was a lot longer than that. I had to cut it down because it wouldn't fit on the, all of it wouldn't fit on the um, face of the book. The original title was 1,000 Nights Under the Moonlight. That was the original title. But we cut the 1,000 Nights off and just put Under the Moonlight. Uh, well, I did, you know, so, but it, it's a great book. It's a great read. It's a wonderful read. It's a feel-good read, I think. Um, it's funny. I try not to write anything that's not funny because majority of the time, if I'm right, I don't care how serious it is. If, if I write it, it's funny. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's got to be funny. And Under the Moonlight and uh, Echoes of My Sins um, is a memoir about me growing up. And, and, and if you pick up and if you buy Echoes of My Sins on Amazon, um, it's, in, it's also in paperback. Um, and it's also in Kindle, Echoes of My, and uh, I, read it, I wrote it a few years ago, but it still stands up today. I mean, I think the last time I, I uh, edited, uh, I updated it, as I said, um, probably, probably need to update it again. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm doing a nonfiction on Trump, the Trump administration, and uh, we'll see how that works out. I'm, I'm working, on, working on it as I speak. And uh, it will not be ready for publication until 2019 because I want to make sure that that it will be ready for publication. And I haven't really got a, a title. I've been playing around with uh, certain titles, and uh, I'm going to try to get Cecilia to come up with one for me if if she can come up with one. But basically. Um, I haven't got a title title for it, but it's about the Trump administration, and uh, we'll see. It's not fun. I'm not having fun writing this book. Most of the time, when I write, I have fun, but writing about Trump is no fun. It is it is agonizing. But I something inside me is compelling me to write this book and finish it. At least it'll be you know some a little less. <laughs> off my brain after I do that. Anyway, George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for everything. And here is um, we see we got Maxine Waters. Take it away. Answers we've made. It is no surprise that so many of us are utterly devastated by the election of Donald Trump. I have been very clear about my opposition to this president. And everyone knows what I believe. I believe he is one of the most dishonorable, deceitful, and despicable people no. ever to hold public office. He no. has undermined the rule of law. 
He has isolated the United States allies. He has decimated our country's standing and leadership around the world. He has empowered and emboldened white nationalists, racist criminals, and con men just like himself. He flew to Puerto Rico after the island was ravaged by a hurricane, insulted San Juan's mayor, and proceeded to throw paper towels at our fellow Americans who are to this day still trying to recover from that storm. He endorsed the pedophile that ran for the United States Senate and defended wife beaters on his White House staff. This man lies on a daily basis. And for all of the people and institutions he has insulted over the last two years, the only person he will not offend or criticize is Vladimir Putin. A brutal dictator who does not share our nation's interests around the world. Of course, none of this should surprise any of us because Donald Trump revealed and showed us who he is and what he was all about throughout his campaign. You may have heard that Donald yeah, Trump recently attacked me at the Grand Island Club dinner last week. And people are asking me, oh my goodness, what do you think about that? Well, I tell you what I think about it. I certainly expected <laughs> him to do something like that. I don't know why it took him so mm. long. Don't forget, this man who's disparaging me has been called stupid, ignorant, uninformed, unhinged, and a moron by his own staff and appointees. And so he had the nerve to attack me. I'm in this fight. I am not going to back down. And I believe that all of us deserve better than Donald Trump. I believe this country deserves better than Donald Trump. I wanted everyone to know that they had a right to be angry about the election of Trump, that this president is not normal, but that all is not lost, because each of us has the power to set this country back on track. I feel very confident and hopeful about the future because I know there are so many people here tonight and in cities and towns across the United States who are about to reclaim their time and reclaim this country. So, we are counting on all of you to show up during the 2018 midterms and vote for people yep. who will restore this democracy and uphold yep. everything that we have fought for to advance the LGBTQ equality. And ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, there's something here about uh, on uh, Scott Walker, the governor of uh, Wisconsin, judge rejects Walter Walter's deadline to call Wisconsin elections. Another, this is another Republican folks that uh, trying to suppress the vote trying to keep people from voting. And the judge rejected it. A federal judge rejected it. This is beautiful. Republicans trying to cheat. Um, a judge rejected Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Republicans request 
to push back a deadline to hold special elections for two vacant seats in the state uh, legislature. Walker said, Walker had asked that the Thursday deadline be called the special elections to be moved. He had called for them to be moved as the state legislature planned to take up a bill that would limit special elections in the state. If you didn't understand that part, folks, basically it says that they were trying to suppress the vote to keep people from voting, to keep the Democrats from getting in and try to and try to uh, uh, cement the elections for the Republicans. However, Dade County Circuit Court Judge, okay, Richard Ness turned down the request saying that there is no basis for the delay to delay the deadline. Great for him. Beautiful. I don't know if this guy is a Democrat or Republican or an independent, but what he did was the right thing. And I'm quoting him here. He said, I'm not ruling out what the law might be in the future. I'm enforcing the law as it is now. I applaud him. Walker, Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin was ordered to hold the special elections for two vacant seats after a lawsuit brought forward by former former Attorney uh, General Eric Holder, Holder's group, the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. Okay. All right. We're just about out the air. We're going to pick this up tomorrow, folks. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for uh, tuning in, tuning and podcasting this show for later. I, th- that's one of the things I love about uh, this show. You can always podcast podcast it for later. Listen later. If you don't, if you can't listen now, you can listen <laughs> anytime you want to. And uh, that's what I great. Uh, that's great. And I think I have about five five hundred to six hundred shows uh, on here. And and it's great. It's great. And I've been asked, do I listen to my shows? I barely listen to them, folks. I keep trying to set aside to listen uh, to one of my shows, recorded shows here. And somehow I always find myself not being able to have the time or focusing on something else like writing and being a musician and all this kind of thing and family. And uh, it's just but every now and then, you know, I, I'll uh, listen to one of my shows while I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing in the car, whatever. Uh, and I'll listen and, you know, and I'm just as critical as you are. <laughs> if something's not right. I'm just as critical. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We're just about out of here.
from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 